Hey, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to or watching, as the case may be, Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today, we're going to talk about some encouragement for the churches. And as I'm getting into my podcast, I'm trying to uh, do something different. I'm streaming with my Mevo camera today. I'm not using Restream as I got on here a little bit late, but I'm trying to edit this where I can, and I don't see any way to edit it. Well, that's crazy. Oh, well. Looks like we'll be fine. Good to see you. I know there's a couple of you here watching. Please be the algorithm for us. I don't know if I can see your comments. I'm going to try. So if you do comment, I will address them as I see them. But to give you a baseline for the podcast for today, uh, at the Riverview Church of Christ, we just got through with the book of Haggai. And in my school notes from the book of Haggai, there is a sermon outline, and I thought that we just walk through that sermon outline for our podcast today. Now, that being said, before we get into the meat of our podcast, I would like you to, um, well, hold on just a second. All right. I would like you to uh, consider supporting me as a podcaster. Uh, you, can, you can do Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. That's a Patreon that I've had set up for a, for a couple or th a few years now, and um, <clears throat> it's just a way to to support me as a podcaster. Also, um, in the show notes, or in not in the show, well, in the show notes and in the comment section, I haven't shared it yet, but I am going to put the link to an Etsy store that I made, and you can purchase a T-shirt, and I would urge you to do that. I think it's a pretty cool t-shirt and I hope you would enjoy it. And it's Jesus loves me. This I know you can walk around town wearing this t-shirt, letting people know that, you know, that Jesus loves you and who knows, but whether or not that may engender some conversation that would lead people down the right way. Um, now let's get into the meat of our podcast. Also, if you would, um, evidently you can send stars now on the cogitations facebook page we have gotten enough viewers enough hours watched and stuff like that that now you can send stars so i don't know what all that entails uh but i need a guinea pig so uh yeah if you will uh if you'll do that now it says the live video is ended well that's no good it still says that i'm streaming well, this is just a medley of errors. All right. No, everything says it's okay. I still says I've got three people watching. All right. I'm going to try not to try not to deal with that. I'm going to, I'm going to, let's walk through this outline. This is some encouragement to the churches. Um, this is a great sermon. It's from Haggai chapter two, verse four. So let's go to the book of Haggai chapter two, and I'm going to read verse four. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. 
And be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord. And work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. The children of Israel had come back from captivity. You can read in Ezra and Nehemiah, the wall builder, the builder of the temple, and there was just one problem. The the people of the land did not like the fact that the Israelites not only returned, but their return was financed, and they were allowed to rebuild this temple. And there is a group of people in the land, that a contingent of people, that hired lawyers and got the building of the temple stopped. For 16 years, during this time, the Lord sent uh, Haggai and Zechariah to prophesy to the people. Haggai is just a, he's one of the minor prophets, two little old chapters, but buddy, they are big. What they lack in volume, they make up for in substance. Not that, not that Zechariah doesn't have substance as well, but this is a really good two-chapter book, and um, it, it's encouraging them to start building the temple again. In fact, um, it doesn't take very long. Listen to this. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by, by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, It is time for you, O ye, or is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye, excuse me, and when ye brought it home, it did blow up, and I did blow on it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man into his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from the dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit, and I called for a drought upon the land and upon the mountains and upon the corn and upon the new wine and upon the oil and upon that which the ground bringeth forth and upon men and upon cattle and upon all the labor of the hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people did fear before the Lord. So they repented. They changed their minds of their uh, laziness, really, their selfishness. Well, then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, 
and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts and their God in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. Now we go on into chapter two. In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, and the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison is nothing? So we've, we've laid this foundation that the children of Israel coming back from captivity had stopped building the temple. Why did they stop? There's a plethora of reasons. Just pick one. Selfishness. They didn't see the need in it. They wanted to take care of themselves first. They didn't seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. They sought their own well-being. And it was not working out for them very well. So God sent the prophets and said, look, you need to get busy. You need to, pardon me for being a little blunt, you need to get off your, your, your duffs and go to work. And they repented of that, and so they showed up and they did the work of the house of the Lord, and it was completed. Now they need some encouragement. So really and truly, the children of Israel are setting where we are now. The house of the Lord has been built. The church has been established. And many of us are in congregations, some of which are shadows of their former glory if we measure glory by the world's standard, by a temporal, secular standard. And we may fall into the same trap that the children of Israel fell into. So they needed some encouragement. Brethren, you and I should be encouraged by this podcast today. Here's our three uh, walking points here. Be strong. Work. God is with you. All right? So let's, let's talk about this. First off, it is absolutely endemic or pandemic. I don't know. Google whatever, insert whatever word I need to use. It's all across Western culture that in, oops, that in many areas, the church is, uh, some congregations rather, are shadows of their former glory. You'll have a congregation of 50 or 60 people that a decade ago used to be 100 people that 20 years ago used to be 300 people. I know of congregations like this, and it is so, so, so hard to turn that around. It's so hard to break that downward spiral, but somebody's got to do it, and somebody's got to go through the grind to do it. And the message for those of us who are in congregations who are either resting on our laurels or see the decline around us and don't know what to do to help it. The message here for us, or the message here to the people in Haggai's time is the same for us. Work, or be strong. Work. God is with you. My favorite song that we sing on Sundays and Wednesdays out of the songbook is, Little is much when God is in it. Listen, it doesn't matter if your congregation is small. Your congregation can be small in number and large in works. Small in number, but large in spirituality. Be strong. Understand that God is with you. Be strong. Listen, God wants the church to be strong. 
what can you do to make the church where you are stronger? Well, you can strengthen yourself. You know, just in the small reading that we had in the book of Haggai just now, um, take heed unto thyself is listed twice. Uh, when it comes to elders in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Paul says, take heed unto thyself and unto the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. When it comes to preachers, to evangelists, Paul writes to Timothy, his son in the faith, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. But the first thing you've got to do is take heed unto yourself. Every man is supposed to examine himself to make sure he's in the Lord. So be real. Look into that perfect law of liberty as if you were looking into a mirror and do not straightway forget what manner of person you are. Be honest. Now, being honest is a double-edged sword. Why do I say that? When you're at your congregation and when you look at yourself, don't look at the past with rose-colored glasses. So many times I hear people from congregations that used to be much larger, much more active, much healthier than they are in the present. They say, well, things were just so different back then. We had a good big name preacher. We had elders. We had money. We had a lot of members. There was a factory down the road and everybody worked at the factory and everybody went to church on Sunday and our values have changed in this community. There's new people. New people have moved in. Certain people have moved out. Old people have died off and people just don't want the gospel anymore. And they look around at what they have now and they compare it to what they had then and they consider the church they are a part of now compared to the one that they were a part of 20 years ago, the same congregation, by the way, the same location. They look at the one now as if it were nothing. You see, when, when that temple was built, there were people who were young enough when the captivity happened that they remembered the temple in its glory before it was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. And so they looked around at what they had built after their captivity and they wailed, they lamented for it was, it was not, it was not, its glory in the present did not attain to its former glory. In fact, that's, that's, the, that's the thrust of the verse, uh, Haggai chapter 2, verse 3. Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? So when you take heed unto yourself, don't look back during the months and weeks and potentially years after you first became a Christian and you were on fire before the world kind of chewed you up and spit you out before Satan really started buffeting you. Don't compare yourself now after you've gone through all those trials to the kind of person you were before you went through those trials. You know, the person you were before you went through those trials, even though you were so on fire, even so, though you were door knocking, even though you might have as a man uh, been learning how to lead singing and pray publicly and give a devotional or even you know preach on Sundays or something like that or teach a class, you might have been a little bit naive. You might not have fully realized exactly the hardships and trials that were going to come your way. And by just the fact that you've gone through hardships and trials and you've come out 
faithful on the other side, that's a boon to your credit. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing thing. It's a, it's a great accomplishment. So don't consider how you are now and think of yourself as nothing compared to what you once were. Don't look at the congregation you're in now compared to what it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago or even one year ago and consider it as nothing. You see, God's in it. And, well, let's keep reading about this. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord of hosts, and be strong, O Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when ye came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations, and the desire of all the nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. How in the world did this temple that was in comparison to the temple that was before nothing in some of the people's eyes, how was it going to achieve greater glory than the temple that Nebuchadnezzar destroyed, the temple that Solomon built? It is because in the fullness of time, the Messiah, God's Son in the flesh, would walk the grounds of this temple. You see, God knows the future. You and I do not know the future. So you may take heed unto yourself. You may take heed unto the congregation you're a part of. And looking back, compared to what it is now, you're thinking, well, this congregation has no glory. This congregation is, has died off and people have moved off. And this congregation hasn't been evangelistic. And, and I haven't been evangelistic. And I haven't been doing what I should do. I haven't been on fire like I should be on fire. And you're thinking that you've peaked. You're, you're, like, a, you're like an actor that has received a Lifetime Achievement Award knowing he's never going to make any more movies. But could you imagine receiving a Lifetime Achievement Award in your 30s? Well, that's the way some Christians feel, I think. That's the way I feel sometimes. You, you okay with me admitting that? I'm a human being, am I not? You see, we have to be strong. And what's one of those th ways we can be strong? We take heed unto ourselves and we understand that even though we may have, by the world standard, by man's way of gauging things, had more glory in the past because we've worked more and we've had more in number, that we don't know the future. And if we are strong now, we will attain more glory glory which we cannot fathom in the future because God will bless us. Don't look. You have to be honest with yourself. Don't look at what you're doing now comparing it to what you were doing 10, 20 years ago. 
don't look at the church you're a part of now and compare it to what it was 10 or 20 years ago in an unhealthy way. Now, a very healthy way to do this is say, okay, so 20 years ago, I was going door knocking. I was studying my Bible every day. I was getting Bible studies. What was I doing then that I've currently stopped doing? As a congregation, we had members being, we had people being baptized into Christ. We had uh, members coming forward to confess their faults and to ask for help of the church. We had members helping one another. We were growing. Why were we growing then and we're not now? That's a very healthy way of looking at that. But just to look back at the, on the past through these rose-colored glasses and be like, well, we're so much better then than we are now and there's no hope, that is victim mentality. That is weakness. That implies that we think that a dying congregation and a dying spiritual self is something that is being done to us and not something for which we are responsible. And we have to be strong and understand that if we are part of a dying congregation, that that is not something that is being done to that congregation. That is something for which, for which that congregation is responsible. And if I am dying in my spiritual self, that is not something that is being done to me. That is something for which I am responsible. Therefore, it is incumbent upon me to do the work. And I'm not ready to segue into the next point, but that's a perfect segue. You see, we need to get rid of anemic Christianity. We need to get rid of anemic Christianity. That's Christianity without blood. I refer to this TikTok that I found uh, months ago, and the dude was trying to act all casual and everything. But the point is, he said, you know, and he's chewing on a, eating his chip. You know why we have a bunch of Christians that aren't serious about their Christianity? It's because we are, we are passing out res, uh, we are passing out resurrections requiring no crucifixions or requiring no sacrifices. You see, you're bought by blood. As a Christian, the, the blood of Christ cleanses you from all sin. You, got, you have to walk in the light as he is in the light. You cannot be a Christian sans Jesus' blood. And in order to be a part of the body of Christ, you have to be added to the church, but it requires work. We don't work for our salvation. We're not given salvation because we've earned it or because we've worked. But God says, this is my will. This is what I want you to do. Those that enter into the kingdom of heaven are those who do the will of the Father in heaven. Those who do not the will of the Father in heaven will cry unto Jesus, Lord, Lord, have we not done many things? So the same works are going to be done by two different factions of people. One is going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. One is going to hear, department from me, I never knew you. What is the difference? It's we understand that we have to do the work because we love what God has done for us. But if we don't do the work, then we're not going to be part of the fold. Because in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven, we still have to do the work. That's a, that's a prerequisite. It's not earned. But that's why I'm saying we've got to get rid of this anemic Christianity. We've got to qu we have to quit allowing people to identify as Christians in our number. We have to quit passing out resurrections that required no bloodshed. 
we are going to get strong by taking nourishment and exercise. How do little babies get strong? They desire the sincere milk of their mama. As new as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of God's word. We have to stay in the word. We have to study to show ourselves approved unto God. Workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15. Do you know what, do you, do you realize what is implicit in that verse? That verse is implicit in that verse is this is an instruction book. So we're going to study this book so we do the right work. There's only one way to get strong, and that's to take that nourishment of God's word and put it into practice. We got to work those muscles out. So if you're looking around at yourself and at the congregation you're a part of, and you are lamenting at the loss of former glory, the first thing you do is you strengthen yourself. You're honest with who you are and where you are and how you got there. You're honest with what the church is you're attending and, and, and what they are and how they got there. And then you deep dive into God's word, continually doing what he says. And you do not compare the glory that you have now with the glory you had then because the glory that is coming, if you be strong and work, segue into second point, is going to be greater than you can imagine, just like the glory of this temple in Haggai is going to achieve so much greater glory than the one of Solomon's day that they could not fathom it. Now, our second point, work. You know, a train is strong, but it does not accomplish anything unless it moves. What is a train for? A train is to transport goods and people. So you might have it mail, products, passengers. Products could be fuel, mercantile, whatever. But but the train, you have all of the ingredients there to do work to get something accomplished, to be beneficial. And if that train doesn't ever go forward, if that train doesn't go from point A to point B, then you don't have you don't have anything that's worth anything. You can be strong internally. But if you are not working, what good is your strength? Think about that. You can be strong internally that whatever Satan in the world throws at you, you will not be moved. But if all you're doing is endeavoring to stand still, you're like that locomotive that is not locomoting. <laughs> is that the right way to say that? Don't laugh at me too hard. Anyway, you'll, you'll be like that locomotive that isn't moving. That's not in motion. Being sound in the faith, or excuse me, being sound asleep is not the same thing as being sound in the faith. Being sound asleep is not the same thing as being sound in the faith. You can have all of the theology, all of the doctrine right and not implement it and you're sound asleep. You can study to show yourself approved unto God, 
and work your best. You can even get some things wrong that the Bible teaches, but you can be sound in the faith because you're out there working and putting what you have learned, what you know from the Bible into practice. You're like that freight train. So think about it. There are both extremes. There are churches that are liberal, or maybe another way to say that is unscriptural, that are working. And you know them. You know congregations like this. You know you know denominations like this. Every, everybody I talk to that's part of a congregation that they're lamenting the loss of former glory, they always talk about the Baptist church, the Methodist church, the Episcopal, whatever denomination down the road that has 500 members. Yeah. Well, those churches are liberal or unscriptural, and they are working. And the church that you're a part of might be sound in doctrine, but they're not doing anything. This is the sad paradox of Christianity and how God works in the church through his word. The word of God is so powerful that if you implement the principles of the word of God, even from a misunderstanding of God's word, if you implement that in the world, it still has enough power when it's perverted to bring results. So I can take the Bible and I can twist it and I can convert people to a denomination and I will bring people in by droves because the word of God is still powerful even when it's twisted. But if you want to take the pure, unadulterated word of God and you want to work and you want to put that into action, then God's going to take care of the increase. Remember what happened in Corinth. Paul planted. I almost said Apollos planted. Apollos didn't plant. Paul planted. Apollos watered. God gave the increase. Do we trust God or not? I put forth to you that we should. You, part of being strong is trusting God. You've got you to be strong first. That imply, That's an implicit baseline trust in God, and then you show even more trust in God when you work because you're spending time and resources that you'll never get back for gain. Well, I should have had this at the ready. I didn't know I was going to go down this road, but I remember the psalmist. I read a psalm, and it's talking about the blessing of people who uh, they sow in tears, but they reap in joy. You can Google that phrase, and I promise you that psalm will come up. The idea is you can, you can be hungry and you can be weeping because you're casting your, your grain out of which or from which you can make bread and fill your belly, and you're having to trust God. You're having to do this work and trust the process, and it's going to pay off orders of magnitude, greater amounts of grain and such. Thank you, Psalm 126. And you're going to pay, have orders of magnitude greater return on that investment. But you're going to sow in tears, but you're going to reap in joy. So we got to work. We got to be strong. We can't be that locomotive with the most powerful engine that's ever been developed by man just sitting at the station. We can't look back on the church we're a part of, or look back on ourselves and think, oh, I'm lamenting the loss of former glory. 
I guarantee you those denominations are perverting God's word and they're working and they're getting the increase. Well, what if the churches of Christ did as much work as the denominations? Maybe that's too broad for us to even wrap our minds around. What if the congregation where you attend did as much work as that three or four hundred member denominational congregation down the road? Maybe that's too big for us to wrap our mind around. Let's make it individual. What if I did as much with God's truth, planting the seed of the gospel, pure and unadulterated, as the evangelist in that denominational congregation down the road did. You see, little is much when God is in it. And the that doesn't mean that the converse then much is, well, actually it does mean that the converse is true. Much is nothing when God is not in it. So those denominations, even though they're five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred members, they're offering no hope. The Lord's church can offer substance. Maybe we look at what we're doing now, and even though we've only got a 50-member congregation, even though we've only got a 30-member congregation, even though we've only got a 20-member congregation, little as much when God is in it, we can actually offer people hope. Somebody might visit the congregation, and they say, hey, I've been going to the Baptist church, and they've got a wana, they've got all this programs and stuff like that for my children. What can you offer me? Well, we can offer you the truth and a path to heaven, and we promise that we will dig in, and we will also try to offer some of these other things, because there's nothing wrong with those kind of programs. And the Lord's church needs to get off its duff and understand that, that we need to create community. Let's have the after-school programs. Let's have the counseling uh, 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 facilities Let's have the counselors on retainer where we can help our members in a real way. Let's invest in the halfway houses. Let's, in, let's, in, let's invest in the drug rehab facilities. Let's actually do the work. There's some congregations that have a million dollars in the bank, and they're just hoarding it up against the day of judgment. You got to do the work, folks. Why? Why, why can we have the courage to do the work? Because God is with us. Just like he was with those children of Israel who come back from the captivity, he's with us. Do we trust him or not? There's a, a verse that comes to mind in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, have always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Let me translate this for you in a different way. Spend the holy money. God will make sure that you don't do without. And if you do spend all the holy money and don't have any money, and something comes along that God needs done, God will bless you with the means to do it. You see, little is much when God is in it. But how much more is more whenever God is in that as well? Because much is nothing when God is not in it. Little is much when God is in it. So, finally, my brethren, 
Be strong. Work. Because God is with you. And whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, whatever the congregation you are dealing with is going through, whatever your congregation you're a part of is dealing with and going through, you will attain such a greater magnitude of glory in the future probably than even you had in the past. Let's take a lesson from the book of Haggai. When you look at yourself, when you look at the congregation you're a part of, and you lament the old days because things were just better then, understand that you have no idea the heights of glory, the lofty heights of glory you can attain when you work or when you're strong, when you work and you trust in God because he's with you. I hope that something I have said today has encouraged you and helped you in some way. Remember Psalm 126, you may be sowing in tears, but you're going to reap with joy because you're going to bring in those sheaves of a bountiful harvest. Folks, this is all I've got here today. I hope I've said something to encourage you, to help you along on your life's journey towards eternity. Please consider supporting me as a podcaster, and please um, be my guinea pig. See if you can send stars with a comment. I, I just see what you can see if you can do that. I'd like to see how it works. Anyway, that's all I've got here. This has been Tony Brewer. Consider supporting me. www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. Also, my PayPal is going to be in the show notes. You can send me money there. And um, yeah, ho- hopefully this broadcast's been all right. It looks like it's been going in and out. God bless you. Thank you so much. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations, and we will catch you on the flip side.